Welcome to the Freedom Fridays podcast with me, your host, Pete Clark, the Whispers Guy. Work seems to expand to the time that we give it. And I've been investing my time, occasionally on a Friday, to explore how we use our time, our energy, our attention, and the impact it has on our identity. I've been exploring over season one, some of the mindset shifts in the handcuffs of I have to, to the freedom of I choose to. And I've shared some conversations, some tips, some tools about how you might want to invest your own time, your own energy, your own attention, how you might want to, if you choose to, make some changes to your identity, how you might have freedom from I have to and design a life around I choose to. If that's of interest to you, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to this week's edition of the Freedom Fridays podcast. Uh, I'm Pete Clark, your host. And this week, I have uh, a relatively new contact. And we've only known each other, I would say, weeks, if not days. Um, but his backstory is quite interesting. I thought you would like to hear it. So first of all, please welcome Calvin Chojic to the, to the show. Thanks, Hi, Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, Calvin, before we dive into all the sort of strands that we've kind of talked about offline, maybe just to give the listeners a bit of a sense of why I thought it would be interesting to talk about your stuff is what, what is your story? How did you come to be here? Yeah, so, so I mean, currently, you know, where I'm at is, is I run and I'm the club head of a, a business called the Club of United Business. Um, and, and what we are is a, is a members club for entrepreneurs. Um, we've got close to a thousand members at the moment across Sydney and Melbourne. Um, they're all owners, founders, CEOs, you know, key decision makers of the businesses, um, typically sitting between that two and 50 million in revenue. Um, we diversify an in industry as much as we can. And I guess what we do is we actively facilitate relationships between our members uh, through a number of events and forum type scenarios. Um, but fundamentally speaking, we're a community of entrepreneurs uh, all coming together to be around others who are cut from the same cloth, um, obviously building good organic relationships of that nature over time um, and letting pockets of opportunity fall as a byproduct of that. What, what is my story and how did I get to, to be running that business? Um, I mean, to take it right back to, to, I think, you know, what was the most pivotal kind of moment in my life was, was coming from South Africa. So I'm born, born and raised in South Africa. Uh, moved here to to Sydney when I was about fourteen, um, and yeah, I think I think you know, growing up in South Africa, you know, you hear a lot of stories about the danger and the problems that it has, and and it definitely does. But I think for me, for the most part, you know, I have a very good good memory of of growing up there. I had a good childhood, but yeah, I think my parents very early on saw the writing on the wall um, and decided they were going to make the sacrifice for their children. Um, and bring us over to, to Australia. So moved, moved here when I was 14. And yeah, I think that was obviously not, not an easy move at that age. Um, but I think funnily, you know, and if you look at what I do for a living, it kind of ties in. I was always good with people. That was always a, a strength of mine. Um, and so I was able to, to, you know, build friendships and relationships coming here pretty quickly, moving into high school. Um, it, I don't remember it being a hugely daunting thing for, for, for me. Mm -hmm. um and yeah I guess you know throughout high school was never was never an academic guy that was never my thing 
um, and, and never actually thought of myself as a business guy either. That, that, that wasn't something that I, that I, that I aligned to in the, the, I guess in my teens and probably even early, early twenties. Um, I found myself more leaning towards the creative side of things. Um, yeah. I played music growing up and I actually thought that was the, the kind of route that I was going to go down. Um, and I guess finishing high school, because I wasn't academically inclined, I, I guess I was a little confused as to, to what to do with myself. And so after a bit of travel and, you know, I, I took a bit more time than the majority of my friends to decide on what I wanted to do, but eventually did decide to go and study music for a little while. Um, okay. Which, yeah, it, it was, you know, it was enjoyable and I, you know, I had my fun with it, but I think I realized pretty early on, that that wasn't going to be something that was going to allow me to be successful. Um, I don't think I was talented enough to be successful uh, as a musician. And so, yeah, left, left the, the, the music university after about a year and a half. Um, and then finally decided, you know what, I'm going to do what everybody else is doing. Um, I was already probably two or three years behind most of my friends at that point <laughs> and decided to go and study, study business. And I think very early on, I could just tell it, it wasn't it wasn't something that I excelled at. Um, as I said, high school never excelled in academics. Same thing in university. And actually, about six months into my degree, decided I was going to go and study abroad in America for six months. And I mean, that was an amazing experience. Obviously, doing the the college route in America. I mean, it, it pretty much is what you see on, on TV. And I, I had a lot of fun there, um, built some good friendships and relationships over there. And I was there on my own for six months. So really got to, yeah, just travel the country and do my thing. And I think what I realized while I was there was, again, universities, just not my thing. So upon getting back, decided I was going to drop out. And Dropping out at that point, I mean, I was, I was not young. I was, I think I was 23 at the time. And that was a very That's young. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, well, yes, young, but <laughs> I guess I had friends who had, who were finishing their degrees and yeah. starting their careers and, you know, starting to make money. And I was now, you know, four years behind everybody. And at that time it becomes pretty scary and you almost yeah. get perceived as, you know, a bit, of, a bit of a drop kick, I suppose, you know, you don't know what your path is, you don't know what you're going to do. And, and I didn't know what I was going to do at that time. And yeah, I think it's, it's interesting how serendipity works sometimes. And, 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 you know, certain moments happen that really just change the course of your life. Yeah. Um, and what that moment was for me was, was coming back from America after dropping out of, of university um, running into a friend of mine on New Year's Eve, who at the time was running a, a retail company. Uh, they had five stores at the time. It was, a, it was a toy retailer. And I was telling him my story, you know, I've just come back from America. I've dropped out of university, not sure what I'm going to do. And he just said, you know, why don't, we, why don't you just come work, uh, you know, behind the, the till for a little while in one of the stores, you know, just to make a bit of cash until you, you figure out what you're going to do with yourself. So, you know, I needed the money. And so I said to myself, yeah, no, no problem. Um, and went and started working there. So just as a general shopkeeper, the store was in, in top ride. And a couple months into that, I ran into these guys again, the guys who were running the company and, and we were on a night out and, you know, we had had a few drinks and, 
the, the, the CEO of the company and the founder of the company said, we started having a conversation about me doing a little bit more, you know, coming in and doing, you know, some operations. And I think at that time he was, he was at five stores, but he was an exceptionally talented guy. Um, and he was really looking to grow that business into something special. And he was looking to implement things into his business that he didn't have the time to do. And so we kind of got along that conversation and, you know, the night happened, it went, went nowhere. And I woke up the next day and I said to myself, you know, I don't know if he was being serious or if it was just a drink talking, but I'm going to try and capitalize on this. And so I gave him a call and I, and I said that, you know, I said to him, I don't know if you were being serious or not, but I'd like to explore this opportunity. And he said, no problem. So we, we, more, we, we met up, I think it was the next day for a coffee and he told me about some systems that he was looking to implement and, you know, what he was looking to do. And he said, you know what, I'll, I'll give you a crack on a part-time basis. You'll work the till sometimes. And, you know, the, for the rest of the time, you'll come into the, the head office. Um, I'll show you these systems that I'm looking to implement and I'll give you a shot. And so he did that. And I had to then go and learn these systems that he was trying to implement and roll them out to these different stores. So as I said, we have five, five stores at the time. And I was going into these stores at 23 years old with no retail experience and training managers and floor staff on how to do these things. And so that I think was a very, it was the first moment in my career that I realized that you can't, you can't shy away from things. The only way that you're going to progress is to do the daunting. Um, and that was the first time that I ever had to do that. And so, yeah, I guess I must've done a pretty good job. Um, and so he decided to move me into a, a full-time role in the, in the head office. And I guess to cut a long story short, you know, fast forward five and a half years, um, I worked there for five and a half years and I ended up pretty much working alongside him, you know, for the, for the majority of that, of, of working in that business. And we scaled that, that business from five shops to 25 shops in the time I was there. Um, as I said, we were a toy retailer. Toys R Us went bankrupt um, during the time I was there and we took 11 of their shops. And yeah, I think that really just showed me from the inside out what it looks like to, to scale a business and, and what it takes to scale a business. You know, as I said, I was alongside him every step of the way. Um, and that really opened my eyes to, to business and where I found a passion for business, I suppose. Cool. Well, we'll come to Cobb in a second and we'll kind of update the story, but um, there's, a <laughs> there's a number of different strands I'd like to pick up on. Up, um, I might take you <clears throat> back to when you were 14 then, when you moved to Australia. <clears throat> and interesting, you said you found it relatively easy. I'd be interested in understanding, uh, was that deliberate? Was that accidental? Because, you know... When, you know, when males, boys, you know, typically the testosterone kicks in around 14, 15. And it's quite a challenging time for many boys, despite moving, not schools, but countries. And whilst you could argue South Africa, Australia, English speaking, predominantly, you know, westernized, it's still a massive shift of culture. So can you maybe just talk about how did you find yourself accidentally or deliberately fitting in? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think, I mean, obviously hindsight is always a, you know, a thing of beauty and, and, you know, to really look back at it and, 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 and delve into those, those 
kind of, you know, a couple of years, I suppose, after I, I moved, there were definitely challenging times. Um, and, and I definitely struggled, you know, at, at times personally. I think, I think I had a lot of anger at that time, you know. Okay. Um, and as you say, you know, that's probably the time where that testosterone is starting to kick in. So, you know, there definitely was, there was a bit of like anger and frustration and, and that kind of thing. But, but I think unintentionally, you know, it wasn't an intentional thing on yeah. my behalf at that age. I think you just kind of, you know, you, you kind of roll with the punches, I suppose. But as far back as I can remember, I was always somebody who, who was able to make friends very easily. I think some of the my, my earliest memories is going on holiday with my family and just picking up a group of friends, you know, while, while I was on that holiday and, and would do that every single time we went away. And in the sport <laughs> teams that I was a part of, you know, a lot of the time I was the, the captain of that team. And I, right. I always had a way with people. And so when I came to this country, um, I, I mean, I was lucky in that, I had a bit of a network here already. My, my uncle was living here before and he knew some people my age that introduced us. And so I just think I was able to integrate with the people that I met pretty quickly. And I think that's just a, a byproduct of, of who I am as a, as a human yeah, being. Yeah. Have you got siblings, Calvin? I do, yeah. I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. Right, so you're the oldest. Correct. You're, you're, you're the firstborn. Correct. Very typical characteristics of a firstborn, I have to say. <laughs> so I've been told, yeah. So I guess, you know, we've, we're both a long way from being 14. But on reflection, do you remember what you were angry at or with on reflection? I think, I, I think it, um, I don't, I don't know exactly what it was. I think, I think there was a big, difference in the people that I was surrounding with myself myself with here okay. compared to my my group in South Africa and yeah. I was very close with my friends in South Africa that 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 was very difficult to leave them and that was quite emotional when we when we yeah, said yeah. that goodbye um and I and I think yeah I think that frustration stemmed from that just 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 the the group of people that I was now surrounded with at that time um was very different and I, I actually to be honest with you for a long time felt like I didn't fit into my group of friends although I had a very big and strong group of friends I always felt like I was a little bit different um and found myself connecting with other groups of friends you know I, I've always been a person who's, who's had I've got friends in America I've got friends in Melbourne I've got friends mm -hmm. from the North Shore you know I've got lots of different groups even to this day and I think that's where it started because I didn't necessarily feel like I, I fit into that group that I was put into. On the yeah. flip side of that, I mean, the immigration took its toll on, on my on my family as well. You know, my parents yeah. and their marriage um, suffered a lot as a result um, of our immigration. And interestingly, 15 years later, they've just split up. They just got divorced at the end of last year um, or the middle of last year. And, and there's no question that, you know, the, the, the immigration initially was what was the, was the kind of um, catalyst for it. Right. And so I think that, you know, seeing that and seeing, seeing how much they struggled at that time yeah. caused frustration in a, in, a, in a young guy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what it was. Yeah, interesting. And um, you mentioned the music side. Um, a, a slight aside on this, I, 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 it's probably a myth, right? But I love the myth. You might have heard this. Uh, apparently, Chris Martin 
um, who is the lead singer of Coldplay, mm -hmm. as you probably know. Um, his father uh, was at a dinner party and somebody asked him about his family. He said, I've got two sons. Oh, yeah, tell me about them. He said, uh, one's an international banker and the other's an international rock star. And the person then asked, oh, right, which bank? <laughs> Whereas I think most of us would be going, who's the rock star? Who's the yeah, rock star? Yeah. Um, so again, I don't know if that's probably a myth, but I think it's a lovely example of, you know, sometimes the music industry, the, the kind of rock star thing, it's this kind of like separate, but on this pedestal, how do you how do you make that? It's either nothing or international mm. rock stardom. Um, I don't want to ask you about that. I'm interested in how, because I'm I'm connecting that with, uh, you probably remember the Steve Jobs um, commencement speech mm -hmm. where he mm -hmm. talked about you're only really able to connect the dots backwards. How do you see the music that you got involved in, your love of or your experimentation with music, how do you see it helping you now? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question that. I think it's a very good question and I've never actually pieced this together, but it makes a lot of sense. I think um, repetition you know, in, in order to learn, in order to, well, there's two things. It would be repetition and creativity, but in order to learn an instrument and learn it well, um, it takes a lot of repetition. There's yep. a, you know, you've got to do things over and over and over and over again, and only then do you get good at it. Um, and I think when I look at, at business now, and I think that the, particularly the skill set that I'm strongest at, which is, which is sales, the only way you really get good at sales is through repetition as well. You know, repetition of meeting people, repetition of process, um, all, all those types of things is how you kind of hone your craft. And yeah, I think there's a link there um, when it comes to learning an instrument. And I mean, I, I picked up the guitar at 10 years old and I still play it to this day. So, you know, a lot of people give up um, when they try and learn an instrument. I never did. And I think, I think that kind of, yeah, relates in, 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 in a little way to, to business. Um, but then I think also creativity, you know, without question, like yeah, business takes creative creativity, entrepreneurship takes creativity. Yeah. Um, and I love that part of business. I love being able to be creative and, you know, workshop through problems. It's, it's probably my favorite part. Um, so I think there's probably a, a, an interconnection there as well. Okay. Um, you, you said earlier on, um, kind of going through uni and then you know working for the toy retailer. You didn't, you didn't see yourself as a business guy. Um, you obviously do now. Do you remember the the moment when that switched? Because obviously, when you use language like "I didn't see myself as a business guy," that's an identity question. Mm -hmm. But you obviously do now, mm -hmm. and it's probably it could have been a moment, but there's probably a kind of moving towards and then a flicking and then a moving further towards do you remember anything that happened that was the trigger or the catalyst for you now seeing yourself as a business guy yeah 100 percent. i mean I, I didn't see myself as a business guy in university and i didn't see myself as a business guy in the early early stages of that of that retail business um and and there was pretty much a a, a moment um and a distinct moment where i realized um that i am a business guy and what that moment was was actually the understanding that the skill sets that I possessed, I always knew that I had skills when it came to people. I always knew that that was something that I was very good at. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know that that was something that applied to business. And when I realized that, 
and I realized I was good at managing people and I was good at yeah. building relationships and I was good. I was resourceful and I could handle numerous tasks going on at the same time. You know, all these things that like almost, almost put me into the wrong bucket in high school and university. I then realized, wow, these things do apply to business and they apply in a big way. And they actually aren't things that can be taught. Um, once I realized that, I actually became very passionate about business and entrepreneurship. And without doubt, I mean, that was the that that was the moment. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and, you know, uh, and you might or might not agree. I've, I would argue most of business is about people. It's everything. It's, yeah. everything. it's probably mostly. And I would probably challenge the idea that it can't be taught um, only because I've built a career on doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I would argue probably a bit like you, you know, can you become an expert without the repetition and the discipline and the practice, the practice, the practice? No, you certainly don't become competent at it just by knowing it. But there's certainly ways, and it's a lot about, you know, you said you went into the retail and you ended up as a 23-year-old teaching the retail staff what to do. And mm -hmm. it's partly a doing of it that mm -hmm. builds that muscle. Um, so it's interesting you, you remember the moment where you kind of shifted identity. Yeah, without question, and and it was yeah, it was um, it, it wasn't gradual either. You know, it was it was just kind of like, I can do this, and and I enjoy doing this. I think that's what it was. It was it was I can do this, and I enjoy doing this. And and sorry on that, do you remember what changed from one day? So obviously, with the identity shift, that's normally an internal thing. Did you recognize anything outwardly that changed the day before and the day after? Well, yeah, it was it was effort and output because okay. now now I had a now I had something to be ambitious about. Um, okay. Now I had I had purpose in my life. You know, before that, I, I struggled to find purpose in my life. And once I realized that I was capable, um, you know, that the other side to that that capability statement is I worked for a guy that was exceptional, and the fact that he saw capability in me as well. Um, made me made me super ambitious and and made me yeah just just want to get better and better and do more and more and spread my cross spread spread myself across more and more um and yeah I think that's really what it was it 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 changed my behavior because I now had an ambition that I was trying to work towards um which was which was really interesting and I I'm reflecting on what you're saying there because the two things for me that caused the shift partly one was it was somebody else believing in you mm -hmm. so not necessarily you believing in you but somebody else believing mm -hmm. in you and a higher sense of purpose something beyond where you are beyond your current situation and those two things whilst you could argue they're affecting us internally they're often two external things mm -hmm. what's my purpose who else believes in me and it causes mm -hmm. a shift internally have you taken that lesson and applied it to others who might need you saying you believe in them and helping them with a purpose? Yeah, well, 100%. I mean, I think, I think, and, and obviously we'll get on to, you know, where, where I am later in the conversation, but, you know, I now have a team of, of five, um, soon to be seven, and I know how beneficial having that person was to me. Um, and how much knowledge and experience he imparted in, in, into me. Um, and, and, and it's something that I love doing as well. Um, it's probably something that I could put more effort into, you know, sitting with my team and, you know, trying to, trying to mentor and guide and, and things like that. I don't think you can ever do enough of that. 
Um, but it is something that I love doing. I mean, I don't ever want anybody to feel like they can't come to me and ask me questions and, you know, sit down and brainstorm and, you know, and, 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 and not to say that I'm, I'm always right. You know, a lot of the time I won't be right, but yeah, without question, like thinking of myself in the, in the capacity that he was to me um, is something that excites me in a, in a big way. Yeah. So let, let's, you know, catapult to today then. So you're, a, you're an owner in this business, um, but you also are running part of this business. Do you see them as complementary or antagonistic? And, and either way, how do you navigate those two strands effectively? Yeah, so it's it's a re- it's been a really interesting transition for me because I mean I, I became a partner in the club uh, and and in the business um, about a year and a half ago and prior to that you know I was a sales guy I always I've always since starting in that toy retailer treated the businesses that I that I worked in as as my own and I always felt like that was a you know a route to get to where I wanted to get to yeah um, but when it becomes your own it, it's a very different it's a very different thing. Um, and so, so Calvin, I don't. I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. Yeah, yeah, for for those that are owners, or for those that aspire to be owners, you, you, that that switch happens. How how is it different? Yeah. So so where it's different is, I mean, all of a sudden, firstly, you've got you know a lot more pressure, um, yeah. and and obviously, you know, the people who've given you that opportunity expect a lot more of you now. You know, they've they've these are these are, are people, and, and you know, I'll talk about Daniel. Um, who's, who's the CEO and the founder of, of our club. Um, you know, he's built this, this business from the ground up. He's put his life and soul into this and he works, you know, endless amounts of, of, of hours um, to, to make this something that's successful. And now he's given me a part of that, you know. And so the expectation from him, you know, is very high, you know, and so, and so it should be. Um, and so that, that's the one side of it. But the other side of it is like all of a sudden, you know, you're now you're now expected to be perceived as a leader. You know, it's all it's all on you. And what I learned very quickly is you can't be given the title leader. You have to earn that title. You know, you can have a team that are supposedly supposed to be working under you, but until you've proven yourself to them that you're the leader, they're not going to view you as the leader. Um, and so that that was a very interesting transition for me to understand what that means and what that looks like and what you have to do to achieve that and to earn that level of respect from from your yeah. team. Yeah. Um, I think was the the biggest thing that I had to learn and had to learn it very quickly. Wow. Um, and what do you think proves it to them? Well, what proves it to them is 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 a you've got to understand every element of the business. It's it's that simple. Like you you can't delegate until you know how to do the role yourself. So I, I did, I've, I've been, I mean, that's something that I've been working towards for the last 18 months is, is actually learning and doing and understanding every, every role and every element in the business. Um, whereas before, you know, I'm pigeonholed as a sales guy and it's like, well, right. you know, nothing else matters. Now everything matters. So, so there's that, but then it's also, it's also the ability to, to, I think, absorb pressure from the top and not relay that onto the rest of your team um, yeah. and, and stay calm, you know, when things are going wrong or, or if people do have problems um, or, 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 you know, you're, you're running a certain element of the business and it doesn't happen the way that 
you hoped it would happen or that the team would hope it would happen. Um, and you stepping up to the plate and, you know, and, and taking the hits when you need to take them um, and being there for people. You know, people go through things in life um, outside of work, you know, personally, and just supporting them and, and having them know that no matter what, you know, they're supported and they, and they, and they have the, the backing of the business and, 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 their, and their leadership team. Um, I think those are the things that you need to do in, in order to, to earn respect mm-hmm. um, and, and, and just work ethic, working hard. You know, you've got to, you can't expect people to work hard if you don't work hard. Um, so you've got to lead by example as well. You know, it's not all about being vocal and, you know, telling people what to do. It's about showing them that you're in that position for a reason and, and why are you there? It's because you've done the work and continue to do the work to be there. Yeah. Um, so these are the things that I've learned, but I'm very early on, you know, and I, and I look forward to learning um, a, a lot more as the, as the years go yeah. on. Um, uh, I've got one question that I'm going to bring back to your previous experience with Toy with it, but I want to pick up on you. I'm just interested in your distinction around working hard. Mm-hmm. No, no disagreement for me. Um, partly my generation was told that to be successful, you have to work hard. Mm-hmm. And for my generation, and I'm being very generalistic here, working hard was the hours you put in. Yeah. So if I did 10 hours a day and you did nine hours a day, I'd be working harder than you. Yeah. That's the perception. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Um, so I'm interested when you say be seen to be working hard beyond the hours, what does that mean? Yeah. So, so, so to your point, I don't believe that it's about hours at all, you know, in, in any way, shape or form. There's people that can do more in three hours than others do in 12 hours. So you know, sitting in an office for 16 hours a day doesn't mean that you're working hard. It just means that you're sitting in an office for 16 hours a day. Um, I guess what 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 I think, what I perceive as working hard is a um, focusing in on on every area that that needs improvement and making it conscious to the team that you're working on improving that for the the betterment of everybody and for the business. And if the business does better, we all do better, and our lives are better. And, 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 and making it known that you're, you know, you're putting in that effort to improve things so that we can all, we can all improve. Um, I think it's also about showing people, or not, not, not even necessarily showing people, but making the effort to, to strengthen yourself in areas that you might not be so good at. You know, I think, I think and I see this a lot, obviously I work with business owners every day and I see... I see how frustrating business owners can be to, to their team sometimes because the entrepreneur of nature is a person who's all, all over the place. You know, they, they got a lot of energy, they got a lot of ideas and, but their organization sometimes, or a lot of the time can be very, very, very weak or very poor. And it's not something that's focused on. I don't think that's actually fair to your team. And I've been on the flip side of that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not somebody who's, naturally organized and strong at, at those those kinds of things but the effort that I put in to be organized for the sake of my team so that they can do their job better is yep. me working hard so that everybody else can, yep. can put in good work as well so I think it's things like that you know it's not it's not as you say the traditional sense of you know I'm in here at 6 a.m and I leave yeah. at 9 p.m it's not that it's just putting in the necessary effort to improve improve yeah. the 
Um, uh, as you know, um, Calvin, I work with a lot of corporates and because most of them are employees, mm -hmm. often the language that gets bandied around is, you know, whether it's your function or your team or whatever, you know, whatever context it is, the language that gets used is, well, you should run it like it's your own. You know, the money that you're investing on behalf of the business that you should pretend that it's your own. You should run mm -hmm. it like it's yours. Now, I, I question that sometimes in my head because you and I work with entrepreneurs that have got, you know, their owners, it's theirs, but boy, you've got such a contrast of really good owners and really terrible owners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what would be your advice, if, if there's any advice to, to share out here, despite the language that gets used, you know, run it like it's your own. What, what do the best owners do that that would apply to? Because it's not just the ownership for me that makes the difference. Because you know, we look at ourselves in our own health, our own mental well-being, our own body. We're given that at birth. We don't look after it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm an owner of a business, and some great owners and some not so great owners. Any any advice in that sense? Yeah, I mean, what, what I would say is is being conscious of of the way that your personality affects the people that are around you. You know, going back to my earlier points, the majority of entrepreneurs that I know are, 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 are very eccentric, like people-driven, mm -hmm. sales-focused, um, disorganized in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and I think when you've got, you've got people working for you, they, they won't necessarily bring that up with you because... Definitely not. You know, they're not going to do that. You're their boss, inverted commas, and they're not going to bring that, they're not going to bring that up. But it, it can be a very, very frustrating thing for your team to have you not acknowledge organization or time or meetings that they've booked for you or, you know, just things like that. Just, just being, being conscious of how your personality can affect the team around you um yep. and that's gonna that's that that again is gonna create a good level of respect because you're showing empathy you know you're showing empathy and, and whilst it might be a struggle for the majority of entrepreneurs to do that i think it's very important because you you lose you lose touch you lose the connectivity if you you know and, and you could or you could almost create a sense of resentment between your team and yourself if you're yeah. not being conscious of the way that you act and how it affects them um, and it probably goes beneath the surface too. It's probably not expressed. Exactly. Exactly right. Where it is expressed is between your team. Yeah. And that's not a good scenario. You don't want your team speaking negatively about you behind your back. Yeah. And and so I, I would say that 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 is something that I think people need to be more conscious of. And and the reason I think I have a good insight into that is because well now I'm running a team, but I've also been working under. An entrepreneur before who was like that you know and, and for for all his creativity and amazingness and operational excellence there were times when it was hugely frustrating um and i think i've got an insight into that as well yeah um something you said earlier that i made a note of because I, I well i'm going to pick up on this now when as a 23 year old you were going to these stores you know teaching the everyone in the store what to do and, and I, what I thought was really insightful you said you've got to do the daunting stuff 
right? Which I which I, I totally agree with. I love that. Despite how scary it is, you've got to do the daunting stuff. In your current position, what's the daunting stuff? It's a good question. Um, there's not there's not a huge amount that I find as daunting as I used to. Okay. Um, I think I think when I first came into this business, there was a huge amount that I found daunting, and I actually found myself with with quite a, a high level of imposter syndrome. And the reason I felt that was because, you know, I was now put in a, in a room with all these successful entrepreneurs and I had, you know, I'd just come from this, this, this retail business where I, I really put the guy that I worked for on a, on a very high pedestal. You know, he was, he was my mentor. He was someone that I looked up to in a big way. And now all of a sudden I'm surrounded by all these guys and girls that are like that, you know? And so I was like, I don't really deserve to to have an opinion here or you know be, be in a room with these people and 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 challenge what they're saying and so so even just being part of this environment at first was daunting mm -hmm. um what was also very daunting was then having to sell to those people i'd never done sales before and so i found that very daunting and i guess i guess what i what i've learned over time is you know you fa you're faced with these these things in your life and in your career and and i believe that there's 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 really only one thing that that separates a winner and a loser and it's the ability to face your fears so the people who win are the people who face these things that they're scared of and they do them and even if they fail they do them again and they do them again and they do them again and eventually it becomes easy and the people who lose are the ones who get too scared and they run away and so I think because it's now been, you know, eight, nine years that I've, that I've, I've been in my career, um, when something daunting comes up, I actually get excited by it rather than feeling daunted by it, if that makes sense. Sure. sure. Um, and I know you didn't mean this literally, um, but I'm going to take it literally to ask you the next question about if nothing's daunting for you not right now, are you aiming high enough? That's a good question. So... And actually, as the words were coming out of your mouth, that was my thought. But what's daunting to me is, is where this all goes, you know, where, where, where this all goes. Um, I, have, I, have, I'm, I, have, I have a huge ambition. Um, I'm a hugely ambitious person. I want to, I want to be very successful. And, and I think that the, the main reason that I feel that way is because I believe that I can. And yeah. so that's daunting to me. What's daunting to me is, is am I going to achieve what i want to achieve mm -hmm. um and i don't even know what that is to be honest with you i don't know what the end goal is what, what i know is that i think i can go a long way in in my career and so what's daunting to me is is you know where, where does where does it where does it all lead to where does it all lead to um, would, you, would you deserve it i don't think anyone deserves it no no, I don't, I don't deserve it. You've got to earn it. Um, so, so no, I, I, I didn't mean, uh, yeah, I get, I get what you'd say. I didn't mean well, because you're entitled to it. I mean, you know, let's assume you achieve, you've already got some level of success and it becomes more and better and bigger, blah, blah, blah. There's almost like a, a, a secondary imposter syndrome kicks in around, well, mm. me, do I really deserve to be at this table mm. with these people 
with this influence in this scenario, but I'm only a little guy who came to Australia as a South African at 14. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I meant by the deserving part. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I don't know the answer to that question yeah. because I'm not there yet. And it may well, it may well come, you know, that time may well come and I might I might feel that again. But I think I think I'm very lucky in the position that I'm in, in that I'm surrounded by a lot of amazing people. Um, yes. you know, we we we've got, you know, I'll speak about Dan again. You know, Dan, Dan is a very he is now a, a strong mentor. Um, to me, you know, he's been running this business for, as I said, eight years. And so, you know, if I am faced with scenarios that I might find difficult, he's always there um, if need be. And then outside of that, we've got close to a thousand members that are successful business owners. And I have very strong relationships with many of our members. And so to be able to be part of something like that and have this type of a conversation on a day by day basis with yeah. many different people that are successful. I think allows me to to almost um, to almost foresee that type of a problem because people are giving me such good advice before it comes, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have any sense of clarity about what you're ambitious for? Yes, I do. I think. I mean, whenever I speak about my ambition and where it stems from, it, it's two things. It's, it's number one, as I said before, belief in myself. I do have, I've come to a point now in my life where I do have a very strong belief in myself. And I think if you believe in yourself, you know, whether you are capable or not, that's yet to be seen. But if you believe that you can and you don't give it everything you've got, then you've wasted your life. The other side of, of where the ambition stems from is, is the sacrifice that my parents made for me. Yeah, by bringing by bringing me here, there, there was a lot that went on, you know, in the years post immigration. As I said, with regards to my parents' marriage and you know finances and 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 all that kind of stuff, and I saw it all. I was old enough to know what was what, what was going on, and I know that they sacrificed all of that. You know, their parents passing away in a different country. You know, now that I'm getting older, I can understand how much sacrifice that actually was. And so they've given me that opportunity. And so I've got to, I've got to, I've got to take it by the horns and, and, and give it the most that I can. And, and how long have you been, you know, pushing out the idea that you don't know what the end outcome is for you? I think I've always had that. I, I've never... You know what I mean is, um, because I hear people say a lot, people who are... Who believe in themselves, who want to do it for a sacrifice for all this different that's the fuel that gets us up in the morning, out and about, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But when asked, and, and maybe it's private, which could be the case, what is your ambition? I think you said, Well, I don't know what the end outcome is yet. Is that because you won't settle? Because who knows? Or if you did settle on a thing, a number, an event, whatever it was, would there be a fear that kicks in? I think there would be a fear if I settled without question. I'm a, I'm a very ADD type person. Um, and, and I think that would scare me. Um, but then the flip side of that is like, you know, the, 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 there is a perception in, in my mind of what that success looks like. Yeah. And, and really it's, it's not a, it's not a monetary thing. I think money, money comes as, as a result of doing the work, you know, it just, it yeah. just happens. Um, but what it is, 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 is being a successful 
hopefully husband one day, yep. a successful father, and not having not having to have the, the the worries and the stresses that my parents had when I was growing up. And and if I can achieve that, then I'm then I'm happy. But I don't think there's a point where I can say this is enough. You know, this is like I like I'm I'm going to just stop now, and this is enough because I just don't think that's in my nature. Mm. But again, I guess you don't know until you get to, until you get to that place. Well, um, I, I am a husband and I am a father, um, and it's not about necessarily the numbers, and I don't mean financially, but it's it's never enough because there's always tomorrow. There's always something else to navigate. There's always something else to overcome in that relationship with your partner and with the kids because as the kids grow through the different stages they require different things so it's it's fascinating and maybe just as we maybe close off the conversation calvin it's something i i'm keen to pick up because i um i lost my father when i was 10 uh, and i grew up as an only child so i had no immediate in the home role model to do this don't do that um, whereas your story is your dad, I believe, was a professional footballer mm -hmm. and, you know, possibly relatively known in certain communities. What's it like growing up in that shadow? Yeah, I think I think. A lot of what I got from my, my dad was was competition, you know, and, and, and the competitive nature and the, the not the not settling for coming second. You know, he, he always used to say, if you're not first, you're last. Um, and he wasn't, I mean, he he coached, you know, when I was growing up and playing soccer and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, he, he was always our coach. And, 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 and he was very much, yeah, he wouldn't settle for, for second and he wouldn't hold back if he, if he thought you were, you, you weren't good enough. Um, you know, he would tell you, you weren't good enough and he, and he would tell you straight. And so, and so I think that is something that I've taken on my, my entire life. Right. Um, competition is, is a big part of who I am. I'm a very competitive person. Yeah. Um, I want to win. And I, and I don't think these second place trophies or third place trophies are, are something that are valid. Um, now that's not to say like, you shouldn't congratulate people for putting in the effort and trying, but if you don't win, you don't win. And it's, and it's that simple. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, I think that's something that, that my dad drilled into me from, from an early age. Um, he was a winner in a, in a, in an athletic sense. Yeah. I mean, he was good at, he was good at all sports and he won in all sports. Um, and, and yeah, I think just mentality wise that, that, that was probably the biggest thing that he, he, drilled into me. I mean, outside of a lot of other things, of course, yeah. but from a competitive sporting standpoint, um, that's what it taught me. And are your siblings the same? Did they respond in the same way? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I'm inclined to say yes, because th they're both winners. They're both winners. My, my, I would say that I've always been the, the problem child in, in inverted commas. Um, <laughs> My brother is is a winner in every sense of the word. He's 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 got a successful job. He's in great shape. Everybody loves him. Um, 
so he's a winner, and my sister's much of the same. So, so which part yeah, of you actually, is the problem? Which which part of that is the problem for you? Well, well, I was the problem because I was the one who was dropping out of university and didn't know what right. he was going to do with his life, and and like like to have a drink a little bit too much in the in the early years. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I, I've never had that conversation with my siblings, but but I'm inclined to say the answer would be yes because they're, they're high performers, both of them. Um, Calvin, it's been a, a, a pleasure talking to you. I, I felt like I've gotten to know you even more just through this forum, which is kind of partly why we do it. One final question, and I'll leave it with some, some easy questions to finish. Um, as you look out into the horizon for you, um, what are you looking forward to most? Yeah, I think what I'm looking forward to most, you know, for the foreseeable future is continuing to hone my craft as, as a leader. Um, I think we've got a very exciting business that 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 we're growing right now. Um, we're getting to that point where we're really primed for scale and and some exciting you know innovations that we're starting to bring into the business. And for me to be able to be a part of the leadership team that grows that, um, we truly believe that we're going to grow this business into something special. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see where where that goes. Um, from a personal point of view, you know, as I said, making the the, the business that I'm responsible for a success, um, making sure that my team is happy and successful as well. And, you know, when, once I achieve all that, we'll see what the next step is. Okay. Um, Calvin, just a couple of quick questions just to kind of round this out. Um I believe you are a football supporter. And are, you, are you more red or blue? Red. Which red? Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. a bit embarrassed to admit it at the moment, but uh, but, but uh, I'm a big Liverpool fan. Well, unless I was a Man U fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? They're on top of us at the moment, so I can't yeah. speak too much. Yeah. Um, classical guitar or electric guitar? Classical. Okay. Sunrise or sunset? Ooh. Sunset. Okay. City or country? City. And now as a South African, I'm going to make a big assumption here. When Australia are playing New Zealand, who would you support? Australia. I actually support Australia when they play South Africa, to be honest with you. Right. Why? Yeah, I'll give you an insight into that. Australia has given me an amazing life. And I find it very difficult to not support a country that has given me such an amazing life. I'm Australian. I have an Australian passport. Um, and 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 I, fi- I actually find it a bit disrespectful from my point of view to not support them. So that's my reason. Okay. Fully confessing to still being a Scot and wanting <laughs> the Scots to be everyone, right? Despite that. Despite fair enough. No, um, fair enough. One final question, Calvin. If you, so given what Australia's given you, um, if there was one maxim you'd hope everyone could live more of based on what Australia has given you, what would it be? Freedom. Freedom. I mean, you, you grow up in a place like South Africa, you're not free. Um, and I think when you realise that, it's pretty confronting. Um, and that's what this country has given me. Mm. Which sounds like, it's almost like I paid you to say this, but that sounds like a perfect way to finish your Freedom Fridays podcast. That's it. There we go. <laughs> Calvin, so thank you so much for your time. Um, probably more importantly, thank you for sharing some of the vulnerable stuff, some of the insightful stuff. Uh, and I look forward to 
to connecting with you more often at, at Cup. No, absolutely. Re really appreciate it. I I've really enjoyed it. And uh, thank you very much for having me. You're welcome.